Hello, welcome to episode 22 of Defense Against the Dark Arts. I'm Paul Mill, and this is Non-Deductive Arguments. I read that a non-deductive argument does not need to be valid to be good. What does good mean? Non-deductive arguments are a breeding ground for phantom connections. When we test a hypothesis, uh, a few good results does not prove anything. Just because we have not found a way to disprove a hypothesis does not mean that there is not a way to disprove it. Analogies are also sketchy and are relied on to the point of error. They're good in some circumstances, depending on the context, but some people extrapolate from analogies, which is fallacious reasoning. A deductive argument must be valid and its premises must be true for the argument to be sound. Non-deductive arguments are logically invalid and therefore never sound arguments. That is an argument that can never prove something. So non-deductive arguments are arguments of the plausible or the probable and never of the definite. The best explanation we currently have is under no obligation to be the truth because sometimes people say, you know, it's the best definition, the best guess, right? That's a lot of non-deductive arguments are when you analyze it, it's your best guess, but our best guess may not be the, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's under no obligation to be the, the truth. It's just the best guess we currently have. It's probably and likely a, a phantom connection. In the world of non-deductive arguments, there are arguments based on plausibility and arguments based on stereotype. Stereotype arguments are broken up into inductive generalizations and statistical arguments. Here's an example of a plausible argument. I'm going to give you a scenario here. A couple of aliens, let's call them Mork and Mindy, are hanging around the Zeta Reticuli and Mindy says, so all humans, not all humans, so humans are still cannibals. To which Mark replies, wow, based on what? Mindy says, I've read a report from the last expedition. Here's the link. Mork is surprised, but judges the argument as plausible based on Mindy's reasoning and evidence. That is an argument. It's a plausibility argument. You're using plausibility to judge it. So, Mork heads off to Earth, and uh, and in the to the coordinates in the report, and he abducts what he believes to be a typical human from the area. Mork vivisects the human, and lo and behold, there is human flesh inside this human's digestive system. So Mork induces from this one sample of a typical human from the area that all the humans in that culture are cannibals. Stereotyping all of the humans in the area from one subject is called inductive generalization. Mork wants to be more thorough, so he reassembles the human (laughs) and releases it back to its natural environment, and then he observes it. The human turns out to be a member of a group, a militia, led by some dude with a ridiculous title, General Buck Naked. Mork figures this militia has around a thousand men or more, thousands. So Mork abducts a hundred more. 
of these of buck naked's men and examines their stomachs mork finds 98 percent of them have human child flesh in their stomachs mork calls mindy and says hey if you abduct one of the thousands of buck naked buck naked's men there's a 98 percent chance he will be a cannibal that is a statistical argument so inductive generalizations stereotype from the one to the many statistical arguments stereotype from the many to the one to review non-deductive arguments there's plausible arguments inductive generalizations and statistical arguments the last two using the logic of stereotype inductive stereotyping from from inductive stereotyping is from the one to the many and statistical stereotyping is from the group to the one now let's look at the fallacy of opinion polls opinion polls are usually taken from a small sample of a population and the result is the stereotypical generalization of the whole population that is inductive generalization now when that stereotype of the population is used to stereotype an, an individual from the population that is statistical analysis <laughs> a statistical argument here's another scenario take 10 people from a city nine of those people think a we'll just call it whatever they think we'll call it a so nine out of those people nine of the ten think a this is generalized to the entire population that 90% of the city think A. This is using inductive generalization. So now we have some terrorists, uh, some terrorist political group from the local university. They see a citizen from the city and they, they cite a statistical argument that that individual thinks A because 90% of the city think A. So, led by the professor, they beat the innocent civilian with bike locks and bricks. This perversion of reason should not be used by us, and our academics least of all, but clearly it is. And a few in academia, few, speak up against it. If they do disagree, they need to communicate that to the world, not just think it or whisper it behind closed doors. Evil thrives when good people remain silent. Academia today is suffering a great loss of credibility. Not that these self-absorbed, supercilious assholes would even notice. <laughs> so I'm glossing over many of the nuanced factors in statistics. But so are the scumbags that are abusing it. There's a famous quote by Mark Twain, which I'm sure you've probably heard. He says, there are three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. He was referring to how bogus interpretations of statistics can be used to bolster weak arguments. He said that in the 1800s, and we're still seeing scumbags use the technique against us today, 150 years later. It gets worse when we talk about margins of error. I should write a whole episode on, on statistics, but it's too big of a subject to cover in one podcast, so maybe soon. But what's worse about opinion polls is that they are indicating what the mob wants, not what is true or best. Also, we don't know if that mob is representative of the majority. Tyranny 
of the manipulated mob is a vector of attack by hostile foreign interests. For further research, uh, research the Gupta brothers, South African President Zuma's son, and British PR firm Bell Pottinger. They promoted race hate to distract the mob from their, oh, the mob, the people, you can call them the mob, whatever, uh, from their corrupt dealings. So does this promotion of race hate sound familiar? Is that a familiar tactic that we've heard? You know, thankfully, there is not a group of idiots going around promoting hatred of, oh, I don't know, white people in, in Western free world today. Why would they be motivated to do that? I don't know. Is there anybody paying them? Is there, let's take a look at the source of the funding of these groups. Hmm, better not, right? So the best defense is a population that is exposed to the dark arts of manipulation. So they can call it out unless they are tenured cowards that deserve what they get when the mob comes for them. We need to watch out for highly precise but inaccurate data. If you don't know the difference between precision and accuracy, you need to look at my last podcast. I'll give a quick analogy, quick review. Uh, A speedometer in your car reads 20.002 miles an hour every time your car comes to a stop. That is highly precise. It reads to 0.002 miles an hour consistently, every reading, every stop. But it's clearly inaccurate as 20.002 miles an hour is not close to zero miles an hour at a stop. So we can be very price, we can be very precise in how wrong we are. Precision is not accuracy. Precision precision is a very sharp knife. Accuracy is the hand, the hand of the chef. I don't know if that makes sense. It made sense in my head. (laughs) So highly precise but inaccurate claims are a playground for the manipulator. It's like when Spock said, uh, collision in 14.32 seconds. He's precise but he is wrong by the time he finishes saying it. He's inaccurate, but using precision, he's trying to make his character appear more logical or smarter, right? That's a common failing in Vulcans uh, in programmers and bookstore, comic bookstore nerds. Now we think of the word extrapolation. It sounds like hard science. We extrapolated. It's hard science. We extrapolate math. It must be, you know, the definite truth. You know, we know extrapolation just means estimating. Does that sound like, you know, hard truth when you estimate? No, extrapolation is estimating. It's not hard truth. Extrapolation is predictions by projecting the past experience or projecting the, you know, from the data. If, if anyone could extrapolate with, you know, certainty, with 100% accuracy, they would rule the world. They could simply extrapolate, you know, stock prices from past data and trade accordingly. There would be, you know, maybe, maybe there are billionaires who know uh, some of the voodoo, some voodoo secret, and, and they can accurately extrapolate, but, you know, they haven't shared it with the rest of us. So with statistics, there's the gathering of the data, there's the organizing of it, the extrapolating, 
the interpretation, and finally the reporting. Each stage is a potential for the introduction of error. Never mind that the whole process is based on stereotype. It's easy for statistics to give wrong conclusions, even if the researcher is honest and trying to not distort it. It's a cakewalk, you know, to make statistics lie for the manipulator. Think of a journalist, a politician, a lobby group, an ad agency, a PR firm from the UK, and so on. You know, in the argument, we see uh, modal terms or weasel words. You know, if, if we see that, we know it's, it's not a true generalization. It's a limited claim or a limited premise, you know, which is a weaker argument. But if we do not see these modal terms or these verb helping weasel words in a non-deductive argument that is using the stereotypical logic of inductive generalizations or statistical arguments we know the arguer the arguer is either sloppy wrong or intentionally trying to deceive us so this this can happen to all of us you know we can get lazy you know it's a slippery slope if we are not rigorous in remembering that non-deductive arguments are not deductive proofs <laughs> bit of a stall there right we see this in journalism where the original report claims so-and-so might have been involved. Then secondary reports by manipulative, dishonest journalists drop the word might and go all in claiming so-and-so was involved instead of might have been involved. Or anonymous studies show X might cause Y. Then, you know, these turkeys drop the word might and the the next report says or the, the next article says studies show x causes y not that x might cause y so the they're already starting to slide right there is value in plausible arguments and inductive generalizations and statistical arguments the problem is most of the time they are pure deception good rule of thumb when in doubt it's bullshit most people I hear quoting numbers are clearly incapable of accurately interpreting the data impartially. Never mind proving the, the causality of some small as aspect in a complex system. We often hear assertions and idiots jumping to conclusions. We all could do it. We all could jump to conclusions and we all can make assertions. We just, <laughs> this is what we, we got to watch out for ourselves, but we especially have to watch out when other people are intentionally doing it. You know, people making false correlations. You know, correlation does not mean causation. Causal reasoning is a whole podcast on its own. Cause, correlation, coincident, coincidence, concurrent, synchronicity. I'll talk about causal reasoning in the next episode. Until then, see you then.